Well, we're going to be thinking this evening about understanding. Hopefully, this will be a slide that will pop up behind me in just a moment. Understanding and how clear something is to us, whether or not we can understand. And so, uh, as I start, I've got a bit of a challenge for us this evening. Hopefully, it won't be too complicated. Hopefully, it will be quite simple for you. All you have to do is tell me what these sentences on the screen really mean. The slight twist is they are in different languages. So, best of luck to you. Keep your own scores. First one is this. If you can guess the nationality as well, that's an extra point. So, hola, como estas? Any ideas? Anyone want to throw up a hand? Spanish, you're right. What does it mean? Yes, hello. How are you? Well done. Very, very good. Next one. I think it's hopefully it's going to go up in difficulty as well. Ciao, bene, grazie. Italian, yeah, very good. Any ideas what it means? Thank you very much. Yeah, you kind of. Ciao is kind of hello, goodbye, hello, well, thanks. Yeah, I think you're pretty much there. Next one, excuse my pronunciation of this one. Où <laughs> est croissant? <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> no, no points for the French. Uh, yeah, where is the croissant? <laughs> That's what we're all asking, isn't it? Uh, next one. Guten Morgen, mein Herr. <laughs> Any ideas? German, yeah, good morning, sir, good morning, yeah, mein Herr. Okay, anyone four for four? I think it's, I imagine a lot of us are, you know, some of us maybe not four for four, some of us are. This one's going to be a little bit harder. What do you reckon? Ha, yeah, Russian is right, well done, yeah. Uh, I can read, yeah, yeah, my, my, my Russian's actually, so it's a Rad Stretsky. That's the Russian. It's in my notes. <laughs> Any ideas what it means? It's nice to meet you. Okay. How about this next one? Anyone uh, feeling confident about the Mandarin? <laughs> it's Mandarin. This is Wan Shanghao. No, no, I mean, I'm giving you clues here, guys. Well, it is have a good evening. And then final one, final one here. There you go. It is oh, Southeast Asia. Yes, it is Thai, and it's Mange, and it is this is easy. This is easy, right? I don't think any of us are probably on seven for seven. Well done if you got four for four. But that last one, this is easy. But how about the Bible? How clear is God's word? When it comes to understanding God's word, is it easy? Or does it sometimes feel like a different language? Maybe some, day, some days it feels like straightforward English for you. Maybe other days it feels like you're battling with French. Or on those really bad days, maybe you're, you're struggling with Mandarin or Thai. Well, this evening we're carrying on in our sermon series, as Thomas said, where we're thinking all about the Bible about God's word to us. And so far, we've, we've heard from Tom a couple of weeks ago as to why we ought to read God's word, because it's his authoritative word to us. It's how he speaks. And from Rob last week, why we need to read God's Bible for life, for living life to the full. But this evening, in some ways, we're going to be taking a step back as we think about, well, how we can read God's word to us. And, and this doctrine, this teaching, what it's called the clarity of Scripture. The clarity of Scripture, in a nutshell, means that God's word is understandable for every believer. 
That's an American theologian called Wayne Grudem, and he says this, the clarity of Scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it, seeking God's help and who are willing to follow it. God's word is understandable for every believer. But does it feel like that for you here this evening? Tom got us to think a few weeks back what might cause us to struggle reading the Bible. And we shared together then, didn't we, how it can be hard sometimes to understand Scripture, to understand what it means. Whether it's tough passages in the Old Testament, long lists of names and places, or or just dense theology from Paul in places like Galatians. We will all know that feeling, won't we? Where it feels like the Bible is hard to understand, where it feels like God's word isn't all that clear. And so actually, I think this is something really important for us to grapple with tonight, because there's a lot riding on this. We've heard in the past couple of weeks that God's word is where we find life, eternal life, life to the full, now and for eternity. And so it is a big deal as to whether or not we can actually understand it. It's like a a check. I've got my checkbook here this evening. And uh, it's like a check that's worth millions of pounds. I've got a check that I've written one million pounds for. I haven't signed it, don't worry. And imagine if you were to receive this check worth a million pounds. Great, fantastic but you don't have a bank account. And it's useless. There's nothing you can do with this check. And in the same way, God's word is priceless. It's life, life to the full. It is priceless. And yet, if we can't understand it, well, then it's just like that check that we can't cash in. And so this question of understanding, of clarity of Scripture, is a really important one for us all to engage with. And with that in mind, let me just pray for us again. Father, I pray that you will be with us this evening, helping us to uh, listen to your word, helping us to understand it. May we go from this place, having enjoyed time together, but also having uh, recognized anew just how precious your word is and how for each and every one of us we can understand it. Help us now for your glory, we ask. Amen. Amen. And so, as we think about the clarity of Scripture, we can appreciate several signposts that point us to the fact that God's Word actually is clear. I think the biggest and best reason for knowing that Scripture is understandable, well, is the Bible itself affirms its own clarity. So we're going to be looking at some verses that help us to see this, and uh, Julie's going to come up now and read those for us, but they will also be on the screen behind us. There we go. Thanks, Julie. Okay, the Deuteronomy. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Great. Thank you very much, Julie. Okay, so just going back to that Deuteronomy passage then, uh, we see there that 
all the people of Israel were expected to be able to understand the words of Scripture well enough to be able to teach it to their children. And did you see where they were to, to look at God's commands, to look at Scripture? Well, it was at home. It's on the road. It's on the go. It's sitting. It's standing everywhere. And in light of that, we can recognize that God's word is to, is to permeate every part of our lives. It's not just a Sunday thing, not just something to be explained to us once or twice a week in, our, in sermons, but it's to be engaged with in every aspect of our day-to-day lives. And how about these two psalms that we looked at as well? Well, they highlight to us that the Bible is understandable for all. The Psalms gives us loads of signposts to recognizing the clarity of Scripture. And here, in these two verses, we see that God's word is for the simple. I think that's really good news. We don't have to have a degree in theology to be able to engage with what God is saying to us. I think the simple person here captures, well, pretty much everyone. Those who lack good judgment, who struggle to make good decisions, those who are easily led astray, those who simply struggle to understand. But the good news is, is that God's word is for the simple. Did you see that in those verses? It is for the simple. God's word makes the simple wise and gives the simple understanding. The simple can engage with it. We can clearly understand Scripture. I think that's a real encouragement for us this evening. No believer, however young or old, should see themselves as being too foolish, too simple, too new a Christian to understand Scripture. Every believer can engage with the Bible and be changed by it as they personally engage with it. And we see this in the New Testament See, when it comes to Jesus, time and time again, we read Jesus saying this phrase, have you not read? I think I counted 11 times in the Gospels where we see Jesus saying something like that. And it's often in response to the religious leaders, his opponents telling him off for something that he's done or that he's said. And in response, he points them to God's word, to the scriptures and says, if you had read that, well, then you would know that what I was doing, what I was saying was good, was right. So we see here an expectation from Jesus that people would be reading the Scriptures, understanding them clearly, clearly enough to know that they point to him, that they point to Jesus. So both Old and the New Testaments make it clear that the Bible is clear, that it can be understood. But if that's the case, then why do people struggle to understand God's word? That question still remains. If it's understandable, then why do we see so many people misunderstanding the Bible? Why do so many people struggle to to comprehend the Bible's meaning? Well, two things that help us to see why people struggle. Firstly, clarity is dependent on God opening eyes. We read in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. 
So we've seen already that the Bible itself is written clearly, but here Paul explains that because of sin, we are blind from being able to rightly recognize God's word, what it's saying. Because we live in a fallen world. Because of sin, we can't understand for ourselves what God's word is saying. Sin means it's like trying to read something in the dark. It's like trying to read something in the dark. It's hard. It's impossible, almost. (laughs) It's hard. We struggle to read what's being there in front of us. But if we turn on the lectern light, then we can see, can't we? Yeah, thank you very much, Tom. Good work. And in the same way, that is like us when it comes to God's word. Without God, without the Holy Spirit, we can't see. It's like trying to read in the dark. But with God, with the Holy Spirit, well, he shines a light for us and brings clarity where there was once confusion. But that's another reason as well. And that reason is that it is simply hard work. It's difficult. Clarity is something that has to be worked for. It is also God opening blind eyes, but it is also our hard work. And a great passage in the New Testament that shows us this uh, is when Peter, when he's writing in his second letter about the writings of Paul. And this is what he says. Peter says he, talking about the Apostle Paul, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. This is really helpful stuff. Peter says that Paul is hard to understand. It's not just me and it's not just you. One of Jesus' closest followers, the guy who was foundational in setting up the church, who preached and converted thousands of people, well, he sometimes struggled to get his head around what Paul, what the Bible was saying. But did you see in that verse that Peter doesn't leave it there? No. He recognizes that it's hard to understand and then highlights how dangerous it is not to work hard at getting a better understanding. He talks of ignorant people who distort, who twist God's word and make things that are are true and are wonderful, well, lies that are dangerous, dangerous and destructive. And if we were to avoid this danger, then we need to ensure that we don't remain ignorant in the dark when it comes to God's word. Instead, we need to, to work hard to dig deep into what God's word is really saying to us. Clarity comes through God opening blind eyes, but it also comes through our hard work. And that hard work is so worth it when we unearth the life-changing, life-giving truths of the Bible. And so I just wanted to spend our next sort of five to ten minutes or so just spending some time getting really, really practical this evening, thinking about things that will help us to tackle tricky texts, to help us to do that hard work in approaching God's word. And so uh, I've got five tools here with me uh, this evening that will help us to better understand God's word. And whenever we open up a passage in the Bible and approach that, well, we can be putting on this tool belt, if you like, and be enabled to find clarity even in the hardest 
of passages. Now, maybe some of you, some of these tools would be obvious to you. Maybe you've already got those tools firmly in your tool belt. If that's the case for you, fantastic. But hopefully, this will be uh, five things that are helpful for all of us. So let's get to it. Uh, the first Bible, uh, first tool that we have to help us reading the Bible is genre. And this is my spirit level from home. You all know how a spirit level works, don't you? Check to see if something is straight. And we're thinking about this in regards to genre. The Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's God's written word to us. But it's also a wonderfully diverse set of books. It's a library. There's 66 of them, written by lots of different human authors, spanning thousands of years and thousands of miles. And so there's lots of different types of genres within the Bible. And just like when you have a, a spirit level and you use it to get your picture frame straight, well, we need the genre tool to help us to get a clear picture of what this particular type of passage is. Whether it's narrative or wisdom, poetry or prophecy, letters or apocalyptic, it's really important to identify which of those genres we're reading. So, for example, if you were to open up the book of Judges and you think it's an epistle, a, a letter to the church on how to live, and you read this, Judges 4, as he lay sleeping from exhaustion, Jael took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sisera. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Now, if you think that's a lesson on how to live as a Christian, well, then we're going to come to some pretty weird and dangerous conclusions. Imagine, think of the dark turn that Hungerton Camping would take. It would be terrifying. But if we know that it's narrative, and it's simply telling us what happened and showing us how messy life gets when people don't live with God, well, then we're going to understand it very differently. So that's the genre tool, and it's a really important one. Next up is context. And I've got uh, my handy tape measure here with me this evening. It's actually Rob's. I lost mine earlier. Well, we've got the tape measure. And tape measures are used to measure something, but also to know whether or not it's going to fit into the wider space, that alcove, that chest of drawers, that kind of thing. Well, context is just like that. Because when we're reading a passage in the Bible, we'll only be reading just a little bit of it, won't we, most of the time. And so we need to know how it fits in to the wider space. And this is really important. Again, let me show you just with another example how important this is. Um, grab a Bible. There should be one nearby. Uh, turn to Mark chapter 4, uh, page 1005, 10.05, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, page 1005. Good work. Great. And imagine if you were just to look at four verses, or five verses, just verses 4 to 8. All you would get from that account is this story of different seeds falling on different types of soil. Thorns, rocks, good soil. What on earth is going on if you just read those verses in isolation? Well, using our context tool, we can start to measure out a bit further and see how it fits in. And straight away, it becomes a lot clearer. At the beginning of the chapter, have a look down. What are we told? Well, we see Jesus is speaking to a large crowd, and he's teaching them. 
and the stuff with the seeds and the soil, well, that is a parable. And we see after those verses that Jesus explains this story at the end of the chapter, that the different types of soil are like different people and whether or not they reject or accept the gospel. But you know what? We can take our tape measure and we can go out even further. We can go out even further on the context and see that back in chapter 3, we have the religious leaders who accuse Jesus of being demon-possessed. And so there we have a clear example of those who are like the soil that rejects the gospel, that gospel seed. But do you know what? We can go even further with the tape measure. Keep going and keep going. And see that actually throughout the whole gospel of Mark, if you look at the gospel context, well, Jesus is rejected time and time and time again. And that ultimately he is rejected as he dies on the cross. And even that, I mean, I think we've run out of centimeters on the tape measure by this point. Even that fits into the bigger context of the whole Bible. Because we see that in the Old Testament, we have this promise of one who would come, who would be despised and rejected and killed so that we could have life. And that's just one example of just a few verses in Mark's Gospel. The context tool is a really helpful one for helping us to see and understand God's Word. A few other tools then, speeding up a little bit. We've got the repetition tool. Don't worry, this isn't JL and tent pegs. This is the repetition tool, the hammer. And it's a really simple and quick way of getting a clearer understanding of a passage. It's to look for those repeated words. We don't have time to look at it now, but if you were to turn up 1 John chapter 3, well, we can see just five verses there. What's the repeated word that comes up again and again? Five verses, five times we get the word love. Love, 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 love. John is making it really clear what he's writing about. He wants Christians, he wants the church to be loving one another as God has loved them. Really easy really helpful, immediately unlocks a passage for you. Next one, well, we've got the vocab tool. I've got a handy screwdriver here for that one. Now, quite often, we'll come across uh, words in the Bible that are long and are definitely a little bit intimidating. But actually, we can, like a screwdriver, unscrew uh, the meaning, and we can unlock whole riches from that passage when we do that. For example, if you were to turn to Romans, to Paul's letter to the Romans, we could hear lots of big words there, like justification. That come up a lot. What on earth is that talking about? That might leave us feeling confused. Well, we can ask someone, we can find a helpful book, or in some cases you can just simply Google it, and we can find that in that case, justification means how we are right in the eyes of God in a legal sense. So straight away, just from unscrewing, unlocking that single word, we can know what Paul is talking about for a lot of Romans. He's talking about being justified, being made right in the eyes of God, just from learning what that one word means. Final tool then for us is this one. It's the the connecting words. It's the nuts and the bolts. Uh, And this is another really helpful tool for us. How does this passage fit together? What connects it? And often we'll see words like because or for or therefore that tell us 
that something fits with something else. We actually had an example of it um, earlier today in our morning services where we were looking at Titus 2 and Rob was preaching to us in that passage which starts uh, with a list about living good, godly, countercultural lives. And then we get in verse 11 this word for, which links that list to what comes next. The fact that God has saved us by grace. It's really, really important to see that word and how it links those two together. We're not called to simply try harder, pull your socks up, and that's how you're right with God. No. We're called to live godly lives because we are saved by grace in Jesus. So, those are our five tools for building a better understanding of how to open up God's word and read it with confidence and clarity. But I just want to very briefly finish by helping us to think about what we can do after all that if we're still finding it hard to understand the Bible for ourselves. So just three responses that we can do. The first one is don't despair. Remember, it is hard work. If you're finding it hard, you're not doing anything wrong. It is hard work, but it's worth it. It's really worth it. So stick with it. And God willing, over time, it will get easier. And also remember that you're not the only one. We all will be finding it hard. Peter found it hard. And in line with that, we can then also be asking questions. Ask questions. If you're stuck, if you, if you don't get it, if, you, if you're not quite sure what something means, well, don't just give up. Write it down. Ask those questions. Because there's never a stupid question. Um, Rob and Tom and myself and Matthew, we'd love to hear those questions and we'd love to scratch our heads with you as we try and uh, work these things out together. And that leads to the third point as well, is getting help. It's not just uh, those um, up the front who are are keen to help. If you're in a small group or a life group, um, then that's, that's the perfect place to be asking questions around what God's word means. And it's great to be able to do that in a group together, particularly thinking about how it applies to our everyday lives. And you can also be getting uh, loads of other sources in to help you out with this, whether it's podcasts or books or sermons online. There are no shortage of ways that you can be finding help to read and understand God's word. And in case we're in danger of forgetting, well, we need to be asking for help from God. We need to be praying every time we open up God's word because it's him speaking to us and it's him, the Holy Spirit, who opens our eyes so that we can understand what he's saying. Scripture isn't a foreign language. Let me stress that again, that the Bible makes it really clear that it is clear, that it can be understood, that whenever we open its pages, God is speaking to us today. Scripture isn't a foreign language for us. And hopefully we've seen this evening that every one of us here tonight, we can enjoy digging deeper into God's word and finding and unlocking wonderful, understandable truths there. Well, with that in mind, let me pray for us again. We read in Psalm 119, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Father God, we recognize that we will be, uh, many of us, struggling through various different things at this time. 
And we thank you that into the darkness, into the confusion of our lives, into the busyness of life, the good times and the bad times, that your word is a constant light unto our feet. Help us to, to leave St. Luke's this evening knowing that we can engage with your word to us, that we can read it and that we can understand it. Give us perseverance to do that by ourselves within groups here at church to want to love your word more. And Father, we pray that you will be helping us to read it for your glory. Amen.